Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, these are our World Cup reviews. There is no intro, really. You know who we are. So we're just going to get to it. Coming at you. <laughs> so. Wait, wait, wait. How does it go? Raw, I'm going to give it to you. We know trivia. Straight out of Bolivia? Wait, no wait, wait. Idea. What's the, the you got on? I don't know the you got versus. Man. All right, go for it. Yeah, Wu-Tang isn't really my strong suit, bro. Um, Tribe is better, <laughs> but let, let so, but, but it, yes, this, this is the Talking Tactics podcast. Follow us wherever you're listening to your podcasts. We thank you guys for listening to the previews. The plan is after the first round of games, so first group game, second group game, third group game, 16 quarter, semifinal, we will be in your inbox. People are doing so much podcasting and content making over surrounding this World Cup. So Oh, it's oh bro, it's these, everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah, these these aren't gonna be an hour, an hour and thirty minutes. It's gonna be short, sweet. You will hear from us, but it's going to be limited. So, have hope. I'm going to give you the floor. Oh, there's been how sweet. <laughs> also, there's a Brazil game going on in the background, so that's that's when we're recording this. So, what has happened? Maybe one or two things that you would like to that need to be referenced for posterity on the podcast. So, 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 so you're talking about first big talking point. Go for it. Football or political. How, how do you want to start? Do you want to start football? Or do you want to start political? I think we should start with the football. <sighs> Biggest talking points has to be. Oh, it's, I mean, what? Okay, you know what? Because I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be clever here. The power of the shock. Okay. The power of the shock. So I'm gonna combine Saudi Arabia and Japan together and comparing the level of the shocks. So first biggest shock, which launched obviously the first emergency hangout and everything was. Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Did you see over in that halftime team talk? I saw some clips. Yeah, yes. yeah because he yeah, had the posters in there. So an amazing performance, man. And I think, but what is interesting to it, and this, I've, I've asked this, offside trap. I think I think it was Sakis Milan who sort of perfected that out of the offside trap and so forth in like was that the 80s or, or, the, or the 90s. And it's always, always, it's always tricky to do the offside trap. But I said to myself that, wait a minute, Seeing that you, you're not dealing with machinery, which is precise and not the human eye, wouldn't it be smart for guys to actually try to employ the offside trap? Because you're not relying on the human eye, you're relying on this is machinery, which does it right down to the pubic hair. So um, my th- I, just, I, was just, I was impressed by the tactics involved in Saudi Arabia. And for me, I think that was the biggest shock. So without a doubt, that was the biggest shock. But people would say Japan and thing was a shock. For me, that wasn't a shock. 
You see, it's a shock in footballing in footballing terms. It's Germany. It's the it's the best performing team in World Cup history. They won four World Cups, and Japan have never beaten a big team ever in history. And the very first World Cup was in '98 where they lost all their games. So on paper, Japan beating Germany is a shock. But if you know your football and you know your research and so forth, it isn't a shock because Japan have been building up to this. Japan love football. It's the home of pro evil. Um, they did well in 2018, and we're lucky not to beat Belgium. And Germany haven't looked good since that World Cup. They were not good in the Euros. They were not good in the World Cup. So this has always been coming. Um, so I think that when you look at the level of the shocks, I think what Saudi Arabia did is bigger. And what's interesting is it's like a home game. You know, again, as I said, my geography teacher was a racist, so I wasn't really paying attention to geography. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Peter Brown, you piece of shit. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know that the Saudi Arabia is next to Qatar. It's a neighboring country. Oh, um, Saudi Arabia, that was a home game for them. And it felt like a home game. And you saw them go full on. And for Argentina, this could be the best or the worst thing that happens to, to, to them. It could be the best thing because, okay, now it's real. No more games. Now you're not awake. It now gets real. It could be the worst thing because they're like, oh my God, like, it could just, because it's such a shocking thing, it could just shell shock them. But then, and then I'll give the floor to you. Mm. 1990, um, World Cup defending champions was were Argentina, who won it in 86. First game, because this was back when the defending champions played the first game of the World Cup, which I think should is how it should be. Cameroon beat them, but they but they still make the final. Um, Spain lose to Switzerland in the first game in 2010. They win the World Cup. Losing the first game, it ain't the it ain't the be all and end all. I just think that they'll be fine. But you know, just a few doubts to it seems that everyone thinks that hey man, they're gonna win, man, because football somehow always messy a World Cup. So see, I like that I like that you use the word shock because to me that gave me an analogy that maybe I could use at a later date. I'll use it now, but I know I'll use it later. People have a real struggle, I think, with like nuance. So Argentina lose, shockingly, I would say. And then Japan beat Germany. So it's it's more so that Germany lost more so than Japan won. But people are saying, oh, man, we've got two of the greatest upsets in World Cup history. And I'm like, okay, let's just hit the brakes a little bit. Germany have now lost three of their last four games at the World Cup. Mm. They lost to Mexico. They lost to South Korea. I think they beat Sweden. That was the Tony Kroos free yeah, kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they lost this game, and then we have to go back to 2014 when they actually won the thing in order to find their last win since Sweden. So it's more that Germany lost. So the shock analogy that I would come up with is like there are earthquakes. Like every earthquake is by definition an earthquake, mm. but there's a scale. There's some that are nine. There's some that are three. A three could be as devastating in most instances, but science has said if a nine or an eight or a seven earthquake hits you, you're going to feel a big rumble and some buildings might fall. I think depending on how the tournament goes, that Saudi Arabia shock could be one of those six, seven, eight, nine type earthquakes. Whereas Japan, uh, a nation that's no stranger to earthquakes now that I think about mm -hmm. it, they've been on this path. Maybe not this exact one where they actually beat one of the heavyweight teams, but it's been coming. And 
that you're in a group with Germany and Spain, if it was going to be any time soon, it was going to be now because you have those two games lined up and let's see what you're what you're up to, essentially. And it didn't start out great, I didn't think, for Japan, but they built their way into the game and they found the two goals that they needed. As for the Argentina point, where you say, you know, in 1990, Argentina got to the final. In 2010, Spain lost and got back. Like, okay, it could be one of those mm. where it jolts you into, okay, we need to fix up. Yeah. But at the same time, and only time will tell, and we'll know probably with the next game against Mexico and then Poland, what if it's more like 2002, where France lose the first game and you think, ah, maybe they could get a result in the next two games, and they they have Zidane coming back in theory, although he was, you know, hobbled a bit. Mm. But they have Zidane coming back. Did they get a point? They, they drew with Uruguay. Yeah, they drew with Uruguay. Zero, yeah, zero. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they had one point. So obviously time, time will tell us what impact or influence that first game or loss against Saudi Arabia will have. But it could go either way. It could be a slight earthquake or it could be one of those massive ones. But this is just the beginning things. And we'll see if there's any aftershocks. Um, but, you know, so we have examples of you can lose the first game and you can go on to win the competition. Or <laughs> start start as you don't mean to go on in that way, where you just lose and then it just it snowballs. Because Argentina, you would think this was the game where they will get three points for sure. Mm. Mexico is a bit iffy, and then I don't know. I don't think people are too sweet on Poland. Yeah, no, 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 Poland. That, no, that, no, that Mexico that. game now becomes incredibly important, <laughs> both for Mexico. And f- there is a doomsday scenario where in which no 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 stop it no Dan don't 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 say it Dan don't say Dan don't say it don't say no no don't do that <laughs> because if if you do that then I will I will get threats in my DMs and so forth because people will will blame me for for some strange reason people somehow blame me but you know so apparently so I think the game is on Sunday Mexicans already are saying that like we have to look at the referee for any refereeing decisions because let's be real because. Is there because we saw the because we have to we have to obviously talk about it. we we saw the VAR call to or rather the non-VAR call on the Cristiano penalty. Do you think they're gonna allow either Messi Ronaldo to not go through the groups? Hell no! Hell no! Do Do you know uh, this is another analogy, but let's go with it. Any time before the nineties, maybe even up until now, but definitely pre nineteen eighty, we'll say, mm. if there was a black boxer against one of like the great white hopes, you better knock him out. Don't let it get to the scorecards. You have to leave no doubt. There has to be an official end to to this fight. Otherwise, if it gets to the scorecards, you don't know who these judges are, who they've been paid by, whatever the case may be, I have to knock him out. Otherwise, I might not get the win unless it's just so convincing that people don't want to be, you know, obvious. Mexico have to knock out Argentina just to remove any and all doubt. It can't be a nil-nil. Oh, that should have been a penalty. Oh, we didn't foul him in the box. That wasn't a penalty for... Like, it needs to be a clear 10 rounds to two, one of those kinds of fights, at least for Mexico fans to feel comfortable, probably. Let's... I, I don't want to think about the doomsday scenario. It's there. It's on the table. Like, I can see it, but I don't want to touch it. But that's there. It's is there. Japan is more interesting in terms of the actual progression of the competition for me because I think they now are through in a, in a sense because I don't think Germany will beat Spain. Mm. 
I've been very low on Spain. I didn't think Spain are real. And to an extent, I still don't. I don't think they're going to get past the quarterfinals. However, the game against Germany is such a quick turnaround. And Spain are flying high. Seven goals against Costa Rica. You have Germany who have to win. They're going to... It's... It's going to be a very, very interesting game to see what Germany shows up. Are they going to be, I don't know, nervous? Are they going to be confident that we can get the result here? Like, it's a huge match. Mm. I don't see Germany winning it. A draw wouldn't be the end of the world, considering what might happen in the other match. But the the World Cup has started early now. Because that Spain-Germany game... It's now a real game now, based on what Germany need. That Argentina-Mexico game is now a real game now, based on what Argentina need. So, because Argentina and Germany will be playing for that desperation, already in round two, we're already now going to see the World Cup really now come alive already even more. So, yeah, like, like it's it's so, it's was it was the best possible results to get the best possible like round two, even round three games, you know. So, because what we don't was okay, Germany win, Spain win, Argentina win, blah blah. So that's like, oh, okay. All right, let's now let you know. Let's now see how well you deal with a bit, with a bit of pressure now. You know. So, is there any team that you've been disappointed by? <laughs> team or continent? <laughs> <laughs> Can I say continent? <laughs> I mean, I was I was gonna ask it in a different way, but basically, yeah, that's 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 where I was yeah, going. Look, man. Oh, 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 okay, now it's it's good that we're, we are recording this literally just after the Ghana and Portugal game. The the the, the quality just in there, and for me, see, I, I mean, Daniel, I'll be real with you. I can't walk with. I I, I can't walk walk with this. You see, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm a horrible cheerleader. I'm a horrible horrible cheerleader because I'm too much of like a, a realist. And I look at um, Senegal, nice organized. No cutting edge, no, no, no real bites. So you don't really feel like if you don't, you don't see where you do not see where the goal is coming from. You look at Tunisia, you know, superb energy and so forth. But again, uh, there isn't really something I can really believe in. Morocco again, a few bits here and there. Your best attacker is Hakimi, and you're not using him. So um, you look at Senegal. So, so you look at Cameroon. Uh, it's just there. Okay, nice presence there. And the thing with Ghana is this. Ado, Ado is in class B, man. Also, Ado is in is a class B. Oh, you put him there B. already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. He's there, he's there. He's there. Like, Did it, I used to. He's there, like, like, I mean, 9 a.m., like, we're just doing the, 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 the paperwork now. Um, <laughs> you see, with Ghana, this is Ghana with, there's no Montari, there's no SCN, there's no... So, a lot of that 2010 team that, oh, there's some good guys, they're not there anymore. But... You like Ghana for me, they definitely impressed the most. But even then, I'm like, that's only so far these guys can go. Because you need that bit of quality is what will tip the fine margins in your favor. And that's what I said before. You have to look at this in real terms. Look at back in 1990, Cameron, you had guys like Roger Miller and so forth. You look at Senegal in Otsu. El Haji Diouf, for all this kind of and Bupa Diop and so forth. Nigeria of the 90s, in my opinion, the most talented African team or culture, Kano, guys who won the literally Fididi George and Kano Wonko literally won the Champions League in 95. Um, so, so you just look at the individuals that these have. And the issue is 
if you have so many Africans now, because the world has become way more global now than it was before, people, there's more movements now. A lot of these Africans are in Europe. So if Africa can't even get its best individual talents, what chance do they have? Because you're not facing Europe. You're facing Europe and your own, <laughs> you know? Look at Cameroon and Mbolo. Quite literally, oh, yeah. a man born in Cameroon scores against Cameroon in the World Cup. And it doesn't celebrate, you know, because it's like, uh, but, uh, and like, and like, Mbolo broad, bloody celebrates, bro. Like, like don't, don't, don't bring that club crap to this. You, you are, you are Swiss. You celebrate, you score, so that you celebrate. Come on, this is in club football. So, but it's true. Like, so, guys, saying, oh my, Africa, no, Africa's chance ended the moment we saw movements of Africans to Europe and so forth. Then it's like, oh no, no, Africa, they, they, they don't stand okay. a chance. Okay, here's 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 the thing. Senegal of the five African teams, I think are best positioned to get something or at least to advance. Based on what? And, and, I know, and, and, and I know that's strange because they took the heaviest loss. No, 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 no. But, no but, but based on what? Based on what? How? They've played their most tough game already. They've played the Netherlands. The Netherlands on paper is the toughest group game for, 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 for Senegal. If you look at uh, Tunisia, they still have to play France. If you look at Morocco, they have to play Belgium and Canada. If you look at Cameroon, they have to play Brazil. And then Ghana has the Uruguay game and maybe Korea. So maybe you could say Ghana has played their toughest game on paper, but I think the Uruguay game is going to be really tough. So if, if you look at the teams and you're like, who's best positioned? Senegal have the host in Qatar, but Qatar did not look convincing at all in the opening game. No, but, but, but looks and, and, and Ecuador looked good, but it's Ecuador. So maybe mm, maybe see, you could find you really a, a, a way there. But but if, if if you let me land, it's not looking good. And then we can get in, into maybe your your point about <laughs> there's Africans playing against other Africans. I mean, yes. Maybe the conversation isn't about how do you get because it's especially today, I've seen, you know, how how, how do you get Mbolo and uh the young kid who's playing for Germany who came on the striker. Mukoko? Uh, Mukoko. How do you get them to play for Cameroon? You can't. It's once, once a family decides that we need to move to a metropole, whether that be London, Paris, Berlin, Zurich, wh wherever it is, once a family decides we cannot succeed in the same way in Yaoundé, Accra, Legos, once once that becomes the decision of the family to go to a place, you can't then tell Tammy Abraham, you need to play for Nigeria. He's now not infected, but he's influenced by the Metropole that I want to be a three lion. Callum Hudson-Odoi's family, as much as they might want him to play for Ghana, once he puts on that England shirt, he now wants to be an England player. And that's been proven. You'll find some who maybe understand that ah, maybe I can't get in, maybe I'll come back over. Um, but once, once a family decides to move, that's that the, the real thing that African football federations have to do, and it's not even down to the federations. I think this is just a natural consequence of what would happen on a more political level. Africa needs stability and organization, not just in football, but in all aspects. Once you have the infrastructure of health, education, and infrastructure, basically like roads and buildings in that sense. You create an incentive to where families will want to stay in their native country. Once that happens, then sport will come as a natural consequence. You can look at the under-17s, under-21s. There is talent 
that can win competitions against its level in, on the African continent. The point is once you get into the upper echelon, now it becomes about organization. And at the moment, because of the histories of imperialism, colonialism, neocolonialism, the more contemporary history of corruption and whatever the case may be, there isn't the, the level of organization requisite to compete against Europe, plus the people who have left their countries to go to Europe because that's where the resources are. So it's larger than football. But I'll let no, you know. No, no, look. No, 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 no. All fair points. Um, you have to, it's about, no, it's about st stability and it's about your your country has to be in working order for these young people to stay in. Because if I'm a, somebody that's from, from Congo, from Guinea, from Senegal and so forth, and I see that my kid is talented, do I want to now stay in Senegal? Or do I now want to go and move to a Marseille, move to Paris? They'll take care of my kid. They'll pay for his schooling pay for his services and so forth. We can live a better life through his skill as a player and so forth. I mean, because if somebody was asking me that, you this kid is like seven. Wow, and I see this guy, this kid is amazing. And the family asked me, man, should we stay here in Senegal or in Guinea and so forth? And this guy can help with Guinea and so forth. Or do you think it'd be better if we let's go to France and everything? My heart will say, stay in Guinea, stay in Africa, because this guy can be huge for the national team. But my head would say, you have to move. It's best to go. It's best to go. Yeah. So, so my thing is that if I'm... See, the selfish part of me wanting to see Africa in its heart would say, no, you stay. But if you say, you are asking my advice, what would be best for you, the family, for your kid and for the family, this talent is going to make you live a better life, <laughs> a more affluent life over. If you are in a second circumstance in Guinea or in Congo or, or Zimbabwe or Zambia where things aren't great, I'm like... It is like life means more than foot for football. <laughs> the well-being of yes. life means more than football. And if your kid's talent is going to give you affluent life, it is what it is. So you know. You know, last point from this one on me is, and this is the harsh reality. And this is something again I've been confronted with today, just in my own mind. I don't know if I've seen anybody say it, but Africa benefits more from the present. And and when I say Africa, I mean African football in the contemporary context benefits more from this relationship than Europe does. So if, if you look at the French national team, you might think, oh man, France is basically an African team times two. You might say that like, okay, but look how many players in Ghana, Cameroon, Morocco, Tunisia, and Senegal were either born in Europe, play in Europe, or were trained in Europe and now come back to play for their home nation. And, and, and not just your, I, I would guess, nationality, but wh where did you train? Where, did, where do you play your football? Where, where are you developed? More times than not, especially in like the World Cup level, you're benefiting from European training. Even the Ghanaian coach is a German national who coaches for Dortmund. I mean, you're bringing Borussia Dortmund influence in, into the setup. It's not as if these are grassroots players that are, you know, locally based and what like the the <laughs> the contemporary structure is such that African nations are benefiting more from Europe than Africa than than Europe is from Africa. And it it's it's not presented in that context or in that way. 
So but that's the truth. Say, so they're, benef- they're because of European training. They're benefiting because the, the footballing structures in Europe are stable to the point that people want to go there. So that's, that, that's where people are being developed, trained. That's where people who aren't good enough to make it into the French national team decide, well, since I can't get into France, I'll play for Morocco because of my parent or grandparent. Put it, put it this way, Ziyech is born in the Netherlands. He decided for whatever reason, may, maybe he, he, he thought at a time, I, could, I can't get into this team. So I'm going to play for Morocco. Maybe Chupo Moteng is a better example. In that instance, Cameroon is benefiting from the development that exists in France. And, the, and here's where the problem is. And you're basically taking away the beauty of the World Cup. So you know that at under-17 level, African teams actually do really well. That's one thing. You know that um, Pele, when people say, no, this guy was the best in the world, he never left Brazil because Santos were seen as like the best team in, in the world. So the issue you have is if you now get all these Africans to now sort of be anglicized, their football gets anglicized. And I've always said, you can't speak to Europe at their own game. Mm. The beauty about the World Cup is, okay, how do Europeans now face against a South American psychology? How do they now face up against an African psychology, an Asian psychology, where the way they interpret the game is different? Like I would say, like, really, Africa's victory, really, is Brazil. Slavery tax. Because <laughs> I was just talking to my mom, because my mom was telling me about my Uncle Santos and Uncle Cosmos and so forth. Because they were like, because I think, well, I, I don't think I ever met them. I just was talking about how the links between Nigeria and Brazil and through slavery and everything and about my grandmom. And I was just doing the thing of like, okay, like we're looking at samba music. You're looking at how Brazil are always using drums. Okay, so samba music, Afro beats. You're looking at how they play and so forth. And you're looking at capoeira and African dance. It's like the way Brazil play football, that's an African way of playing. Because the beat about football, and my brother says is that it's, and the middle walk up is it's, it's cultural. The way England interprets it is how England are culturally, psychologically. The way France are, the way Japan are, and everything is how they are cultural. Because Japan needs tidy, quick thingy passes. And that's just how Japan is as a nation. They're very orderly. You know, for Brazil, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's sauce, it's samba, it's, it's out there. Because that's just how Africans are expressing why. So my thing, though, is really Africa's thing is really Brazil. Because that's because when all these guys' name and everything, that's all slavery. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's, they're all the products of slavery, you know. But see, so, but see okay, have hope. Now... Brazilian players benefit from the same European football structures that African players do. But this is the thing. Most Brazilian players who come to Europe are coming from Brazil mm. directly. So Neymar played, was born, raised in Brazil, played for Santos for a time, then decided now it's my time to go to whichever European club is willing to pay the money. And it was Barcelona then he goes to PSG. It's not the same as Neymar's father sees that this Brazil thing isn't working out. So I'm moving my family to Spain. And then in Spain, Neymar is developed in the Spanish footballing context. No, they keep the majority of what Brazilian football is. It's just that they export talent. With Africa, there's a different relationship where most of the time it's families move like the Pogba's, for instance. They move to yeah, France. Early. They have children in the Parisian suburbs, Parisian suburbs. Then the most talented one, Paul, he becomes the star for France. The two twins are less talented and Guinea decide, oh, so you guys aren't going to play for France? We'll take you. 
And that's the relationship. But you don't keep whatever Ghanaian football would be in the way that the Brazilians can because you're not born there. You don't retain that. Does that make sense? You, no, no, 100%. That, okay. That's like you're still keeping the Brazilness. You're still keeping the culture when right. you're not moving on. So for the bots, for these Africans, you've not developed any culture because how many times has any African player been signed from a Nigerian league, a South African league or something when they've been 19 or 20? No. <laughs> so literally you're being fully Europeanized at a very young age. But these Brazilians, they're coming in with like, oh no, I've already, I've, I've already formed the idea of how I view football even as mm. an 18 or a 19 year old, like as a, as a six, seven year old, like you're like, oh no, I'm just still learning things. So yeah. All right. So this is, this will be halftime. So you said at the top, do we want to start with football or do we want to go into politics? As the podcast normally does, we blend the two, um, but let's go overtly political in this way. So there was the armband controversy. So there were several European nations, England and Denmark are the ones that I can think of. I think, uh, Belgium as well. Um, there's six or seven of them, but I don't have the, the list offhand. They said they were going to wear these one love things. So it has like a heart, a one, and inside of the heart is the one. And then there's like colors. It's not necessarily a rainbow flag. To me, I saw an RBG. I was like, whoa, what's going on there? But, you know, and FIFA was like, you guys aren't going to wear that. You guys are going to wear what we want you to wear. And there was a little bit of controversy about, you know, what will they do, essentially? And um, FIFA was like, if you wear them, you'll get booked. And they decided we were prepared. I think this is a, a paraphrased quote, but they said something to the effect that we were willing to pay fines for breaking the jersey attire rule. But what we aren't willing to do is put our players at risk of missing games in the tournament because of code violations, essentially. So we're not going to do it. So Harry Kane wore the FIFA's given armband and all the other captains of, of European national teams primarily wore that. And to me, I saw it slightly as, not even slightly, just overtly, actually. It was virtue signaling to me and not virtue signaling in a good way. In the one where it's like, we, we would like to do this, but we don't believe in this enough to actually put anything on the line for it. Mm. In order to break a law, or in order to change a law, you need to break it. And I forgot what teacher said this in a history class, so I can't take full credit for it. But, you know, we're learning about Rosa Parks and things like that. The lady in Montgomery, Alabama, who decided that she wasn't going to give up her seat um, in a plan with, you know, uh, <laughs> the Montgomery, Impro Montgomery Improvement Association. If you don't know about Claudette Colvin, go look that up. It's an interesting history but. Um, the only way that you can get that rule changed and go to the Supreme Court and get it changed is someone has to decide, I'm not getting up. And that creates the context so somebody gets arrested and you can start something. The only way that you can take power from ignoble actors, we'll say, which I would say FIFA is in this case, is you have to defy them blatantly. Them telling you not to do something gives that action more power. It's like Kaepernick with the knee, for instance. Like People didn't want him to do it. When he did it, he took or gained power in a sense. But then once the knee became legislated for everybody to do it, and we can see this in the Premier League, once Zaha and Alonso stood up, they were in the press more than anybody else because what became normalized, they broke what was normal. And then people was like, why are you doing what's not normal? 
I think if those countries really believed in the idea of we're here to do human rights and to to let a message be known to the world that we believe in queer rights, gay rights, whatever whatever the phrase is, that was the perfect opportunity to stand on your square and to do something in front of the whole world. But they flinched. And I found that interesting. And I think maybe I don't I don't know, I don't know if you saw Hazard's quotes, oh, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think that's maybe more like what this is. Like, dog, we just here to play football, man. I'm not trying to do anything overtly no, no, I mean look, it's a it's a tricky one. For me, I think everything starts with the prime mover. So the prime mover is giving Qatar the World Cup. Mm. And there's there's no issue here, but for me, I just say you have to keep the same energy. Football is for everyone. That's what FIFA says. But that message makes no sense. If football is for everyone, it has to be for everyone. Unless you're mm-hmm. saying that the that's if you're gay, you're not part of that everyone. <laughs> so so that's my <laughs> thing. So if you're preaching football is for everyone, it's for football is for all, then why would you give the World Cup to a country that doesn't that's, doesn't recognize that community? Why would you give it to a country where the ambassador of that country says, if you're a gay couple and everything, that's your ass? <laughs> you know, like I can't vouch for your safety. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm. So, so for FIFA, my thing is fine. Like, see, FIFA, just don't put your, don't put out the message that football is for everyone because that's obviously a lie. Because if it was for everyone, then gay people should be allowed to go to Qatar and everything and fine. But them not going means that no, that message doesn't mean anything. So I think that this was already a mistake from the jump. And you now coming in and now saying, and now trying to wear the band and everything, there's just no points. <laughs> there's just no points. But then there's another level. People say, oh, Stick to politics. No, leave politics out of it. Okay. So Muhammad Ali talking about um, the issues that blacks are going through. Yo, he should stick to boxing. LeBron saying everything. You agreed with the white lady. He said that he should just shut up and dribble. Kaepernick, why the hell did that guy even kneel? He should just focus on, on, on throwing the ball. So the funny thing, and, and this is the real thing that people don't want to talk about. And this is the real thing that people don't want to talk about. Mm. With racism, yeah, man, Kaepernick, Muhammad Ali, and everything, boom. Well, homosexuals, nah, that's different, you know? People say, that's culture. It's culture. And this goes even deeper. And this is what me and my brother were saying. I know what I've always known. You have a decision to make. Homosexuality. As my brother said, is that a corruption of the mind, or is it natural? I think it's biology, and I think it's natural. We have to circle it back to, to this, because the crux of the matter here is... This is this is every four years. And before I play, this is every every four four years. Look at what happened to Unkunku. Uh-huh. What happened to Pogba? And look at what happened to Benzema may never Benzema. play another World Cup at, at his peak. So this is a rare opportunity for, for players. It is very unfair to put this on them and put this amount of pressure on them because Denmark have said that, or oh, they're looking at suing FIFA and maybe pulling out. <laughs> And I'm like, that's for me. That's unfair on on the, on the players. Like, it's cap. L- They're not gonna do it. No, no. But, but, but I'm saying, even threaded to do that is like, so what? So these players are now going to be robbed of an opportunity to play the World Cup because you are, you knew. Here's the thing. Don't come then. You knew what Qatar was about. Mm-hmm. You knew what it was about. Like, bro, I, that ambassador talks about how him and if you're gay, I can't vouch for you. That was months ago. So you knew what we the knew game this was in 2010. Or when 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 did they get the World Cup? Was it fourteen or ten? Twenty, I think it was twenty ten because they've had like eleven years ago. Whichever way, like we've known this for years, and and just and, and just kind of doubling back. I think 
your point about whether it's a corruption of the mind or whether it's biological is important in this sense. Qatar clearly has a religious backing behind it to where from th- from their religious point of view, they believe, you know, if you read the Quran, mm. if you're a Christian, if you read the Bible, if you're Jewish and you read the Torah, homosexuality is, in their opinion, a corruption of the mind. It's not a biological fact. It's a behavior that you can stop mm. or that, you know, is is sin in air quotes, essentially. That becomes important when you host a World Cup in a Muslim country yeah. because there's you, you you don't divide church and state like you do in America or England or whatever. The, like those things are intertwined and interlinked in ways that the West is not. You don't have secular whatever. That's not Qatar. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know what people think this is. So once you give them the World Cup or once they buy the World Cup, you have to play by a different set of rules. It's not coming into the crowd with, you know, gay rights, human rights and rainbow flags. Like you have to understand once you enter this particular space in the world, they have a code and a way that they follow things, which is largely based on the Quran. If the Quran says homosexuality is a sin or whatever the case may be, then you have to understand this is the psychology that you're dealing with. Now, you can try your best to change it within, you know, whatever parameters football allows. But if FIFA are in bed with these guys, they're only going to allow you so much space to get your message off. And if that's a problem for you from 2010, 2014, you should have been making plans like we're not going. Or, (laughs) I don't know, we have to change this arrangement in a in a way that will allow us to to have our voice no for, for me my thing is as, as, as again as the the, the the points you made you know what this country is about and religion is very important so my thing mm. is that i am not going to be i i cannot go to that is such a touchy talk look i have an uncle <laughs> family an uncle and me and my brother were arguing with him said so that like so you're saying that homosexuals are like, and he's like, his his view on it is you can't change his, his view at all, and that's my uncle. So I knew that, bro. That, that there's no point. <laughs> there's no, most, no point. Mo- to, to be like, most of our families feel a particular yeah. way about that. Hundred percent. So, because because you're raised with the Bible, the Bible, and that thing, Islam and that Bible is very. It is. Like, a, a lot of people feel so. That so, way. so you know, we're reached a very key, key key point here. Don't 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 do where that amber. Don't don't do it. There's no point. When you're dealing with religion, don't do it. And we can both speak from experience of having families. That's that's a fight you will never win. You yeah, will never it's, win it's that fight. Do like, you know what? There's t- today's Thanksgiving. If somebody brings up, I'm glad they didn't wear their arm. Like I'm not gonna get into an argument with no. like there's it's, there, there there are certain things you shouldn't argue about over the dinner table, especially like religion, Pol- politics. Yeah. There, there's particular things. And COVID. so last 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 thing and i say this about black issues and black people Mm. african people black and african issues all the time don't feel obligated to speak for me if it's not something that you truly believe in and you aren't equipped to talk about so i don't need x quarterback x point guard x wide receiver x goalkeeper to come out and say man the black condition this, the black condition that, and then reporters ask him a question and you find out, I don't think this guy's read anything. I don't think this guy knows anything. Now, I'm not a, a gay person or in the, on the queer spectrum in that way, but I, I, I hope I could assume in a sense 
if they were going to make Harry Kane and Eden Hazard and Casper Schmeichel or whoever the, or maybe Ericsson, I'm not sure. Um, if, if their FAs were just basically making the captains a billboard for what their society wants to project in Qatar, but they weren't willing themselves to actually wear it, maybe it's best that they don't. Because once someone asks Eden Hazard a question about, so do you believe in gay rights? And then he gives the political or his actual answer of, I'm just a footballer. I'm not here to do anything political. This is just something that the Belgians are up, uh, that the FA's up to. That strips you of the power because the person who's actually making or stating the message doesn't really believe in it. He's just an avatar for the wishes of others. That's why Kaepernick is powerful because he could elocute why he was sitting down and then taking the knee. That's why, and I don't like to put them in the same sentence, but that's why Muhammad Ali was a powerful person because he could actually tell you, I'm not going to Vietnam because no Viet Cong ever called me nigger. Why would I go kill a, a brown person when I can't even get a meal here? Like he was able to elocute that in a, in, a, in a way. John Carlos and Tommy Smith, when they hold up the black fist in Mexico City in 1968, they were able to tell you why they did it. If Eden Hazard isn't in the space to say, ah, I mean, X, Y, Z reasons, and he's just like, they made me wear it, so I'm going to just wear it. Maybe it's best that y'all don't, because the spokesperson isn't going to be a good tool for the message that you're trying to convey. It's a difficult one. Why I'm an athlete, you, it is, it's in a perfect world, Athletes should just be athletes in a perfect world. We don't live in a perfect world. The fact is that the more popular you are, the more ability you have to change things and actually influence things. It just That's not how it should, 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 should be. It's not. But life isn't about how things should be. Life is about how life is. Mm-hmm. And how life is is that a footballer, because football is the most popular sport in the world, can greatly influence how things are. There's a guy who is sort of now, sort of now ripping up and going and attacking David Beckham because he's he's like an ambassador to Qatar. He's like a a famous homosexual kind of person in England, and I'm like, it it's it's a tricky one, man. You know, but the difficult thing though is, as you said, if you're gonna make a stand, you have to be fully with it. It's like Loris said, look, we're coming here to to Qatar. Is this country? We have no place in us to, to tell them how hard they should do things. But for me, I think we 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 clinched it. And I think this is a point that I didn't even know not to make, which is religion. You see, let's let's take it back to let's say there's there's a World Cup to be held during apartheid times. <laughs> or let's say there was there was an event held during Jim Jim Crow times and 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 so forth. At that time, it was seen as a, no no no. No blacks was just like a normal thing. Sorry, no blacks at the time. In 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 winter time, no blacks at this era were just a thing. So, but you standing up to that, people knew deep down that we know this is wrong, but we're just sort of just saying it. But when you're dealing with religion, that's a whole different ballgame. You see, race is always something that you can chip away, chip away, chip away. You're not chipping away at this, <laughs> this religion thing. You're, you're never at how my uncle views about homosexuality today is how he viewed it ab- about it when we were young years ago. <laughs> he hasn't moved one bit. <laughs> so, so yeah. 
what is it? Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think that pretty much encapsulates it. I think people would like to do something, mm. but once it gets down to the actually nitty gritty of, are you willing to take the punishment for the stance that you have? That's when we see what you really are or who you really are and what you really stand on. And in this instance, I don't think these football nations from the West, in quotes, stood on what they said that they believed in. If it's not worth a yellow card, then what is it worth? Oh, no, 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 no. For me, that's the bottom line. Like for me, you don't, it's, it is pure virtue signaling and so forth. Because if you really believe in it, whatever it takes, yellow, boom, whatever it takes. But if you're like, well, let's say which will now mess with how we are going to play and perform, then then you then 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 forget the whole thing. Forget the whole thing. Exactly. So. so this has been Talking Tactics. We thank you guys for for rocking with us. We will see you guys after the end of the second round of group games. We need to get back to this Brazil Serbia game. Hopefully somebody can score. And um yeah, we will see you sometime next week. Uh peace guys. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.